Well, it's a special day today, buddy. It's it uh, is. January 15th, which is, what is it now? It's uh, halfway through January. <laughs> <laughs> but I, as I said, January has 31 days. Yeah, but we're halfway through the 15th. <laughs> <laughs> ah. So, um, you know, a little buffer, but yeah, get there. A little buffer. We're, we're, we're right, pretty, pretty yeah, close to halfway. We're right in the wheelhouse mm-hmm. here. When, yeah. um, and episode 450. That's pretty exciting. I mean, 450 episodes, not including ones we don't count in spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> we're clearly, you know, over um, close, probably close to 600 episodes. We're, For real. That's not even an exaggeration. Because we're about to record our 90th spoiler app. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that would put us at 540. Mm-hmm. There's probably 10 uncounted ones. Mm-hmm. So we're at least at 550 episodes. Right. So we're only about 50 away from 600. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Or halfway to 1,100. Right. I mean, however you want to. <laughs> yeah. However you want Depending wanna. on what time of day it is. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, it's raining in LA. It is raining in LA, <laughs> which means the. The people uh, forget how to drive. Guests cancel. Guests cancel. <laughs> you know, everything goes to shit. Everything. When it rains in LA, people mm. act like there's a like, fucking alien invasion. Oh, yeah. It's like an apocalypse. Like every drop of rain is an alien. It really, people <laughs> just fucking can't handle it. No. They lose their shit. Yeah. And um, I'm one of them. I don't agree. <laughs> I don't like this weather. I haven't been. No, I, I get how people act that way. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't <laughs> been able to surf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I just got back from Florida so that anyone who came out to the Progressive Comedy Tour in Florida, it was so cool. Thank you uh, for showing up. It was great. There was a guy in the show in Miami with a Palm Strike shirt. Oh, great. That was really mm-hmm. cool. Uh, it was it was awesome. You know, we met Tim Canova. Uh, he came to one of the shows. The Movement for a People's Party mm-hmm. was at a bunch of shows. Democratic Socialists of America came to some shows. And, you know, it was, it was really cool. So thanks to everybody that came out of Florida. Does he have a T-shirt? Blame it on Tim Canova. <laughs> No, his says, blame it on Debbie Wasserman Schultz. If he's going to wear a T-shirt, that's what it would say. (laughs) She's the one who cheated him. But uh, yeah, it was cool, man. We, you know, we had great audiences. Two of the shows were sold out. Um, The other ones were very close to full. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, it was was, was really cool. And we, you know, it's it's fun touring with Ron Placone. And so, yeah, it was fun. Well, you know, I was noticing in the uh, movie theaters, it may or may not be this way um, where you are, it's... Some of these Golden Globes and Oscar movies are in your multiplex. Some of them are not. Like it's a weird kind of release schedule, and they Hollywood still hasn't figured it out that people are more invested in the awards shows if they can actually see the films being discussed. So it's it's always baffling to me I that uh, and we're in L.A. It's not like we don't get you know all the obscure independent movies out here, uh, but you know it's still hard to find everything. It really is. I mean, one of the movies we're going to talk about in a second, Destroyer, that I saw is going wide, I believe, this mm-hmm. week. And and it's been in theaters here. And it is a, You bring up a great point. It is a mistake to just do these sort of limited things to try to get, you know, award nominations. I, yeah. I, it's go a, wide it, to the whole audience. So then when you're wanting... You're, you're, everyone's you're, so obsessed over a qualifying run at the end of the year yeah. that they forget that maybe they, we should be releasing these movies so audiences can see them. Right. And then you wonder why your ratings are down. Right. Golden Globes ratings are down. Mm-hmm. Every year they're down. Now imagine watching the Super Bowl if you weren't able to see any of the teams perform before then. Right. I, who are these teams? <laughs> yeah, I don't know yeah. anything about them. <laughs> 
That's such a great mm-hmm. point, Chris. <laughs> it's like, you, you know, why not start releasing these ones, you know, and when they once they get nominations, put them wide. Yeah. You know, and and put that on you want to get people back into the movie theaters? You want to get people to watching your award shows? Then put it out there. Golden Globe nominee. Right. And splash mm-hmm. that over every marquee. Mm-hmm. Release special posters that say that. Mm-hmm. That that goes on all of the the um you know, multiplex chain you're you're in all these chain theaters like AMC and Cinemark and all these people like that. Put them and so that when you when I go to my Fandango app and I'm in wherever America, I go, right. oh, it's a Golden Globe nominee. Yeah, I I'm can actually go see it. Go see it. Yeah. I want to go see it now because I want to. I want to. I don't have, have to an, drive two hours to a um um you know a big city where they have one theater playing it for one show, right? Or have it, I mean, not accessible anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, some of these movies you have. When are you going to see them? Right, right. And then what if you don't have Netflix? Yeah. Then, <laughs> then what? Then yeah, what do you then, do? Then you have to really hope that it's playing in the one of the four theaters that Netflix decided to put a qualifying run for. They're really mm-hmm. missing out on on such a marketing thing because if then, oh, this is a Golden Globe nominee. I'm going to see what it's all about. I'm going to watch it, and then maybe I've watched two of the five nominees in this right. category. I may be slightly more invested in your dumb awards Yeah, show. and your rich people <laughs> yeah. whack-off festival, yeah. you know? So, uh, yeah, it, mm-hmm. I, it, they really miss an opportunity. Add two boring hosts and horrible uh, writing, then I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> people wearing $40,000 yeah. in jewelry mm-hmm. and clothing while yeah. I barely pay my bills. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and make sure the entire thing looks completely thrown together at the last minute. Also do that. <laughs> So uh, really make it a, an affair to remember. Uh, <laughs> what an affair to remember. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, Graham, uh, we don't have a guest today, but, uh, you know, that's okay. I kind of like when uh, you and I just kind of chat about movies without a guest running their yap every once in a while. Yeah, it's good. But, uh, you know, let's talk about some movies that we've been kind of catching up on. Again, difficult to find sometimes, but... Um, I think what's interesting is the two movies we're about to talk about, I think, have um, similar setups and similar, um, basically, um, trajectories. They both were um, touted as basically performance pieces for their stars. They were um, actors almost like, almost like, uh, like you're talking about, like, acting exercises for mm-hmm. for the uh, stars they're really um to promote an award they're to promote the actor and then to promote specifically in the performance and then the, basically the rest of the film is built around that mm-hmm. sometimes that works sometimes it does not so I've let's talk about these movies yeah <laughs> so let's talk about the first one destroyer with nicole kidman can no. I say? Can I just chime in and say I'm I'm so glad they made a uh, movie about the making of the Kiss album. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and Nicole Kidman was an inspired yeah. choice. Well, you yeah. bring up a good point, Aaron. The be- first thing under anything is Nicole Kidman vehicle. That's the first thing that anybody sure. ever says when so- when a movie like this comes out. That's part a big problem with this movie is the title. Mm-hmm. The Destroyer sounds like either a Kiss album, like you said, or some mm-hmm. sort of '80s post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. movie. Right. You know, well, in a way, because it's based on you know the Hindu god Shiva, which is the the destroy, which is the destroyer. So uh, that's kind of um, how they named it. Yeah, um, 
So you're saying Kidman has like eight arms in this movie? <laughs> yes. Well, now I really want to see it. Yeah, that would have been a little more intriguing. Instead, mm-hmm. it's just a bad wig. <laughs> uh, it, 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 I, I saw a trailer for this, and I was like, okay, gritty. She plays a gritty cop detective mm-hmm. thing. Um, there's a case, uh, you know, that sort of haunted her for 15, 20 years that is now back. And, but man, there's a, there's some writing issues and Mm -hmm. it's hard. I know. I mean, this is part of it. It just feels like whenever you have a beautiful Hollywood actress that's trying to get an Oscar, they ugly them up. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, that means she's such an amazing actor Mm -hmm. or actress or whatever. I really, Nicole Kidman is a very good actress. I really like her. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of movies we've talked about that she's done a fantastic job Mm -hmm. in, um, and like, and I'm blanking on the name of it. The one about the couple whose child passed away, Rabbit Hole, or yep, Rabbit yeah. Hole, yeah, yeah, so great. And you know, she's played. You know, she was really great in Boy Erased too, which was fantastic in that. Even though it wasn't a giant part, but she's shown in it. And Lion mm-hmm. from last year, you know, or a year or so ago, she plays the mom. You know, mm-hmm. and, and those types of parts. Aquaman, not so much, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Those types of parts, she is so good. And of course she can play the big, gorgeous leading lady. Yes. She does that. She, she's already proven she can do that. And when she plays these sort of regular, you know, women, you know, moms or whatever, like in Boy Erased, she's, you know, she means well. And like, she she's very believable mm-hmm. in that. She's just not believable as some gritty, uh, jagged edge cop. You know, she, <laughs> even with the wig and the makeup. The, the wig and the makeup. Usually, that does it. She first comes on screen, and you're looking at the wig and the makeup, and it seems like they do a good, good job, but the, you just can't. I couldn't get past. I'm like, that's Nicole Kidman wearing makeup. Right. I couldn't get past that. Now. And she's Australian. And she's Australian, <laughs> so she's just trying to talk like a hack. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like. It's not a bad American accent, but again, you're the whole time. And this part of this, I don't know that I can put it all on the makeup and the script. Part of it is this is a, we've talked about this before. When you have these mega stars that get so big and famous, it's hard to not go, there's Brad Pitt. Oh, yeah. There's, that's mm-hmm. George Clooney pretending right. to be this guy, mm-hmm. you know? So it, it's, it's hard to get past that sometimes. Yeah. And in this case, there's Ben Affleck pretending to be Batman. Yeah. <laughs> stop. Yeah. Just please stop, Benjamin. But like, so I, I love a good cop, gritty mm-hmm. cop thing. That's I, your wheelhouse. That's right in my wheelhouse. But it really, because she's not, it wasn't that believable. And there's just some, there's some script issues in here where she does stuff. Does that, it do like a time shift? It does do that. Mm-hmm. And that initially, when when the when she first comes on screen and she's gritty cop, and I'm like, ugh, you know, I don't know if I buy this. And then they flash back. So what happens is she went undercover with this awful guy. Uh, uh, she went undercover with another cop to try to infiltrate this really vicious uh, drug dealer, bank robber guy. Mm-hmm. That they and they refer to him as like he's the devil incarnate. Like they keep alluding he's so awful, so awful. And you're like, oh god. And so then they flash back to whenever this happened 17 years ago. So she looks kind of like she does today. They make her look younger. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like she's in her mid 20s apparently back in the future, and now she's probably mid 40s or something like that. Okay. Kind of sounds like a uh, season of True Detective. 
Yes. Yeah. It is. It's there. It's it's really like it is trying to be a season of True Detective, but again, True Detective. You know that the first season of True Detective, the Matthew McConaughey um, one, was so well written, and they did a good job on the makeup of him, of him looking. What if Matthew McConaughey was a cop that smoked and drank for 20 years, what he would look like, you know, in his late fifties versus, you know, a guy in his thirties or whatever. Well, I'm sure he's in his forties now, but that's a, that's a great example. The makeup was subtle enough and the writing was so powerful that anytime, I think that's part of it is anytime you might've gone, there's Matthew McConaughey and, 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 and because the writing, he was just believable in that first season of True Detective as this crazy cop guy that's seen too much evil that his, you know, he just views the world through this very dark lens. Mm -hmm. I just kept felt feeling like Nicole Kidman is just going, rrr, rrr, yeah. and then she does the dumbest shit. She's not a good cop. Like she's not good at her job. <laughs> like, she does stuff that just like if you watch enough cop shows and cop mm -hmm. documentaries and you know the first forty eight hours and those types of shows, which I have watched a lot of, mm -hmm. you just go, she's not going to run in there without backup. She's mm -hmm. not going to just get her ass kicked. Like it, it just was. It, it was. It was. It was stuff. You're like, Ugh. there's enough intriguing plot points in there that you that you kind of wanna. You want it to get better. You want it to, to unfold and, oh, this is interesting. But then it's sort of like they set this bad guy up as like, oh, man, he's just sinister evil. He's not that bad. You know, like, and then there's a lot of, man, we are in a lot of cliche cop land stuff. She drinks too much. She's a bad parent. Um, which, again, that stuff's all in true detective. But because this, the case in True Detective first season was so freaky, creepy, scary, mm -hmm. puzzling, that as an audience, you're just like, and some of the, a lot of, some of those cliches are there because it's very true. A lot of cops have drinking problems. They, mm -hmm. they go, their job is hard. It ruins marriages. You know, there's a high suicide rate. Like there's all, so, the, so I'll, I'll, I'll accept a lot of those cliches because they're real, you know? I know I have a very good friend of mine who's who's a cop, couple of them that are cops, and they tell me, yeah, there's a high burnout rate, and and you know when it's a high stress job, it's a high stress job, and one guy was an investigator in in you know online like child pornography, and he just said it was awful, you know, so I just didn't buy it though. I just kept going. There's Nicole Kidman in a wig acting like she's haggard, mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> And in the actual shooting, she was fighting the flu and she said she used that to her advantage. And maybe that was a detriment because she's just like, oh God, I got the flu. So the whole, <laughs> mo the whole movie, she's just like, Ugh. Mm. and just like, I think that got in the way maybe because right. she needed to be more, fuck you, you know, like mm. in your face, I'm gonna fucking throw you against a wall and solve this, you know, like there's, and, and it just sort of, and there's some interesting plots, twist stuff that happens. You want this to be good, but you also see, we see this every year of like, boy, you were really swinging for the Oscar fence, <laughs> weren't you? Yeah, yeah. You mm -hmm. really wanted this Oscar thing. And mm -hmm. so 
it just missed the mark. Well, I think too the um, the actors themselves get caught up in that. Like they're actively searching for a script that will act and a project that will give them that door to the Oscars, and it's not something that you can kind of manufacture. Like uh, if you have three of these scripts, one of them is Aquaman, you know, one of them is Boy Interrupted or Boy Erased, and then one of them is this one. You think, all right, well, one of them I'm doing for money, and but one of these other two is probably going to get me in the Oscar Ooh. door. Where And that's a lot of times the reason why actors become stealth producers. They have their own production companies and their shingles so they can control the material that, uh, that they do. But, you know, sometimes... I think they get Oscar blinders on where they take these projects thinking, you know, that, oh, this is going to be great. And then when it all comes together, it falls flat. Yeah. And it feels like that, and the, that ingredient of this will be an Oscar movie is a mistake. Yes. It's, it's, it only works for Mel Street. It, <laughs> she could, no do matter any, how mediocre the movie she could is, do any crappy yeah, movie. Yeah. And they'd be like, she's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it feel, I, I just felt like Nicole Kidman watched Narco and went, I want to do that. <laughs> and I, This was her country strong? Yeah, it felt like this was her country strong. <laughs> she just went, I want to play a gritty American cop. Mm-hmm. Um, and... What about an Australian cop? No. No, has to be New yeah, York. It's has just, to be, has it, to be a, a large American city. It, it just, <laughs> like, she's more believable as like a crime boss than a street cop, than a detective. And again, really? in my opinion, hmm. like, because I, I can p- picture her as somebody that's sort of pulling the strings mm-hmm. and uses her charm and good looks to, you know, uh, execute evil things. Whereas- Well, she did do that. And what was that movie? Oh gosh, I can't remember. When she played the teacher that seduced the student. Yeah. Killing her, uh, uh, her husband or boyfriend. Yeah. yeah which was of course based on her. Right, story, that's believable. Yeah. This is just... Good luck finding the name of that movie, Aaron. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> but we can't remember the name. But... Uh, Study Hall. Yeah. <laughs> Sex tutor. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, this that was disappointing because it was one of those movies. But again, it's it's another lesson of, like, don't believe the hype. Like, because all the hype that comes out from that movie before it came out... This is her Oscar movie. This is an amazing movie. And I'm like, oh, well, the PR machine. We forget that the PR machine goes into overdrive before the film comes out. To so, die for. To die for. That's it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it really, it really, it's not Oscar worthy. Mm-hmm. There's, no, there's no performance in here that's Oscar worthy. There's right. not, it, it's, it's, it's just okay. And I, mm-hmm. I'm looking at my watch a lot watching this movie. And right. I went to a theater to see it. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I have this stack full of screeners that I got from SAG that I wanted to watch, but I was like, I, I, I have to see this movie for another movie podcast I'm going to be a guest on. Yeah, it's just, and I like, I like the cool, I mean, I like, I, I, a lot of the, going into it, I was like, oh, this could be interesting, but yeah, it's, it's doesn't, it doesn't make false flat. It. Yeah. Mm. Well, I saw a very similar, uh, um, setup of a movie called You Were Never Really Here. This is the Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, again, same exact type of uh, press and promos, like, oh, this is his Oscar movie. It's a really gritty, dark story, and it really shows his um, his acting chops. And it's ultimately, it's about a, um, a vet who has very, a lot of trouble adjusting, and he tracks down and rescues um, girls in 
basically human trafficking and uh, the sex mm-hmm. trade, mm-hmm. underage girls. So he's basically you know, saving girls from pedophiles. So, uh, and again, as I'm saying this, I'm making it sound like a much more interesting film than it actually is. Because the other thing that was interesting about this movie is it's set up like, well, does he have PTSD? Is he crazy? Are these things really happening? Or is he hallucinating some of it? Or is it some mixture of the two? And you never really get that answer, but that's okay. But it's put together in such a sloppy and um, unclear way that um, you never really get any satisfaction from even the mystery of what's going on. And the performance is not a great performance either from Joaquin Phoenix. I mean, let me put it this way. Mumbling is not great acting. (laughs) And he literally mumbles through this. I had to put the subtitles on. You know, I was watching this movie because he literally mumbles through the entire movie. Um, so this movie really missed the mark. And I could see the the potential and the intent of this film. Ultimately, it was it wanted to be like a little mix of David Lynch, uh, you know, a little mix of uh, like those PTSD movies like... Um, um, Hurt Locker, and then it also had this weird mix of like '90s Harvey Keitel movies, <laughs> like Bad Lieutenant, and these weird. You know, remember all those where it's like yeah. you know, see awful behavior from uh, right. cops or, gritty, or whatever. Gritty, yeah, 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 gritty, gritty for no reason. Uh, so this movie, and the other thing, I, I felt like every scene, I felt like the filmmaker was going, "Look what I learned in film school." You know, look, right. look, uh, look how I said, look how, um, look how I'm setting up this shot. Look how I'm showing you. Look what I'm not showing you. Like some of it was budget constraints. Some though. of it was budget constraints. So, and it makes sense. Like very little violence is shown on the screen, but often the aftermath of the violence that took place just off the screen. Uh, the director, Lynn Ramsey, said that before this movie, she had never done anything with a gun, so she had to figure out how to approach violence. Budget constraints didn't allow her to shoot complex action scenes, so she gave birth to the idea to show post-rage aftermath scenes instead of the violence itself. Uh, Lynn Ramsey confessed she thought it was very risky to use this approach. Um, She was correct. It doesn't work. It really doesn't work. Because what happens is it feeds unnecessarily into like, well, did this really happen? Did somebody get there before him? Like all these weird conspiracies that are coming up, you're just adding to the confusion, not the mystery of what's going on either in his head or outside his head. It's just sloppy filmmaking. So um, I, I think there would have been a way possibly to do that, but this, this wasn't it. All you do, all saw is like him buying a hammer and then you saw like shots of like people lying down where he clearly must have hit them with a hammer. And then there's like weird scenes of like... Uh, you know, he's going into basically an underage brothel to save this one girl, and he's literally laying waste to everyone there. And then these girls are coming out, underage girls, and I'm like, wait, is he going to save them, or is he just going to save the one and leave the rest there? <laughs> like, some of it just really made no sense. And uh, um, and then there were some other things, and this, this I found really interesting. It's little details like this that really make the movie miss the mark because it's what it is. It's a misinterpretation of the material or a, um, a creative choice that just doesn't work. Like in the novella, you're never really here by Jonathan Ames. The main character, Joe uses a lot of props like latex gloves and gadgets. Now that makes sense. If he's basically an undercover op who's off the grid and that's the entire, um, point of the title you were never really here because he's never really actually at any of these crime scenes Mm -hmm. um 
Lynn Ramsey, the director, stated that it was Joaquin Phoenix who just to get rid of most of the props to keep the character more authentic. No, it had the opposite effect. It made him look like he had no idea what he was doing and just kind of floating in and out. And for some reason, uh, never got caught, even though all of the uh, material and DNA evidence that he was leaving everywhere. <laughs> so um, it really made no sense. And, uh, you know, maybe I'm wrong about this because it did receive a seven minute standing ovation at the Cannes Film Festival. And uh, Lynn Ramsey won the award for Best Screenplay, and Joaquin Phoenix won for Best Actor. I think this was a, uh, a festival goggles movie, that, uh, but ultimately The Emperor has no clothes. This was not a good film. Wow, interesting. I saw this probably a year ago, mm -hmm. so I'm trying to remember it exclusively, but I do remember liking it. <laughs> um, so you had a different take on it. I had a different it. take. Mm -hmm. I think I even talked about it on the show. <laughs> um, but I do remember this, and I remember the grittiness of him dealing with his PTSD and also just he's seeing and he's in this awful underbelly. Yes. You're rescuing mm -hmm. girls from human mm -hmm. sex trafficking. This is right. horrible. Right. Um, and I remember there being some sort of intrigue in terms of, you know, obviously it's connected to powerful officials and stuff like yes. that. But you're never really sure again that that is that the conspiracy or is that all happening in his head? It goes all the way to the governor or whatever it was. Like, uh -huh. so you're not really sure. But like I said, that's okay. If it's handled well, I don't mind a little mystery. But uh, there's also like weird hints of like, well, is he gay? Is he have a homosexual relationship with another uh, soldier when he was overseas? Like, because there's that weird flashback of him in the desert you know, slow dancing with another soldier. Like there's these weird kind of flashes of like, well, wait, what is this? trying to tell me i remember i don't think i watched the whole movie <laughs> i remember going this is too much for me to deal with right now like i was going through some personal stuff and i remember going nope i need yeah. to watch something lighter <laughs> well that makes more sense if you liked it because you saw pretty much the setup not the follow-through in the execution of the actual movie <laughs> So uh, it makes sense now that you would, because it starts off, you're like, okay, now I'm in for a ride. Well, yeah, mm -hmm. when he, like, I remember the scene where he first rescues that girl. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's a pretty powerful scene. Yeah. And like, she just assumes that she has to, you know, be sexual with him. And she's, he's like, no, no, no. Like, yeah, uh -uh. you don't and, have to do and, that. And you realize mm -hmm. he's like, he's the, he's the good, he's a good guy. Right. In this horrible, ugly, awful mm -hmm. world. And, who could you hire? The only person you could hire is somebody that came from some sort of awful military special op training. Right. Because, and and what, what you know, I, I, I always think of this because I, I had a good friend of mine who joined the, the, uh, the army. He was from New York and he lost three friends in 9-11 and he was like 35 or something like mm -hmm. that when he joined. And he joined, I think, on September 12th. And he, um, I remember when he got out after fighting in Afghanistan and Iraq, he said, what job could I have other than be a hitman?" He wasn't joking. You know, right. he goes, you know, he had other work and he was an actor and he did all this. So he went back into doing other stuff. But I remember him saying that to me. And so I think about all these people, especially if you're in the infantry, especially though if you were hired to do- Wet work. Wet work. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? And I'm sure some of them there's a group of, I forget their name, but there's a group of like ex-Navy SEALs or whatever that go out and track 
sex traffickers and pedophiles and like that's they're online like it's 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 you know crazy what they're doing so i'm sure that these guys exist and i think that was sort of what captivated me initially was the setup to that guy right and mm-hmm. his sort of blurry world yes he's obviously having some ptsd but then he is able to just focus and take care of guys and i and i kind of remember liking the choice that the director made of not showing me the ass kicking mm-hmm. the fighting scenes you just sort of knew wow he's that right He's that capable. And that works at first, but this is where everything gets to be a mess is actually later on in the film that you didn't see. Is <laughs> is uh, when you mix the um, the fact that you're not showing the violence and then you're also mixing the fact that this may or may not be happening and that some of it might be in his head and some of it may not be. Um, like I said, it, not, it doesn't add to the mystery, it adds to the confusion. Oh, so it actually, okay. it, it ends up being more convoluted where I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know what's going on, and not only do I not know what's going on, you're deliberately trying to confuse me and make sure I don't know what's going on. Like, if you leave me some kind of... Even David Lynch leaves you a roadmap when you're watching his movies. Like, you know, they don't... Obviously, they don't all make sense 100%, but, you know, there's always something that you could kind of follow and latch onto, whether it's a feeling, an emotion, a theme, something. This one just threw everything into the soup and spilled the soup. All right, Aaron, did you see either of these movies? I did not, no. Hmm. Are they on? Are they available on? They uh, are on streaming. streaming. Oh, no. Destroyer uh, is not. Destroyer is not, but yeah. you never really hear is on streaming. You could grab that. I'd love to hear more people's takes on this because mm. because the standing ovation thing at the festival. Yeah. Now, I know we talk about festival goggles, and if a movie yeah. starts getting a buzz at a festival, right. people will just start, oh, it's amazing. Yeah. They'll see it. It's amazing. Everyone in the theater claps, so you go, oh, that was great. You're caught up in it. And this is one of the ones that, after it came out, got severely mixed reviews. It was mm. like some people were loving it. Some people thought it was a, a mess. There, there was, It's also one of those movies that you're not going to be in the middle on it. You know, you're either going to, um, you know, think it's artistic and amazing, or you're going to like, oh, this missed the mark. So I'd actually like to hear from someone who thought, oh, it was okay. It was, it was, it was all right. <laughs> like, didn't have a strong reaction one way or the other. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. So, all right. So uh, now let's, uh, Grant, we have a sponsor. Ooh. We do. Well, an actual well, sponsor. This well, is Eero. Remember Eero? I do. Yeah. Eero is a, uh, a Wi-Fi system. Now that we have the uh, second generation Eero, and also what happens is it's a fast, reliable connection in every room, and it also gets the... Um, it's not just the main unit. It's a. It's also um, basically satellite units where you you put the entire thing together, and then you can get more Wi-Fi in your home because it has two um, satellite units that actually increase your Wi-Fi range. So it's really cool, and you can get it as a um, as a package, like or you can get them separately any way you want to buy them, and it connects over Ethernet or or wirelessly in any combination. And you can increase speed and range with powerful tri-band radios. Now, the one thing they're adding is Eero Plus. And Eero Plus is designed to provide simple, reliable security that defends all your home's devices against a growing number of threats, such as malware, spyware, phishing attacks, as well as unsuitable content. Mm-hmm. The combination of the Eero um, Wi-Fi system and Eero Plus, you get complete protection for your network and all your devices. And especially if you have kids, that's good too. You could set it up. So you got to make sure they're not seeing the wrong type of content. So you get uh, total network protection. You get, uh, you can block malicious and unwanted content. You get advanced security. So you can um, 
check the sites against a database of millions of known threats. You get content blocking, like I said, and you also get ad blocking, which is great. And you get third-party security apps, VPN protection, password management, and antivirus software. So you get all that stuff for a uh, low monthly uh, cost in addition to your, um, your Wi-Fi. So the single router model just doesn't work for our increasing high bandwidth world. It's much easier to have a small system like the Eero, where you put it in your home in just a few minutes, you put the app right on your uh, iOS or Android device, and you can walk through each step of the process. It's quick and easy. And it lets you manage the network from the palm of your hand, and you can have, know how many devices are connected and all those things. It's uh, protected with a state-of-the-art WPA2 encryption. And since traditional routers don't push software updates to their customers that are left vulnerable, Eero automatically updates it, so you don't even have to worry about it. So, and it has great customer support. You can call and get a hold of a Wi-Fi expert in like 30 seconds. So all you got to do is call. Now, I, I would set it up in my house, and it's really easy. What I really liked is the ease of setup. So we had more wired connections, so I just add, add some wired connections, which was really easy. And then I put up the satellites, because we never really got Wi-Fi in all of our rooms. But with the, um, the Eero um, satellites, it's great. We can set those up. And uh, now I get Wi-Fi in the entire room. It's nice. very cool. So basically, when I say satellites, they're really called beacons. That's the actual name. But, you know, you, you, can, call, you can call them whatever you like. Uh, it's a basically an Eero base unit and two beacons. So Robot um, telephones. Yeah, robot telephones. <laughs> now, here's the great thing. We're going to give everybody a break on the price. Well, I love that. Yes. Chris. And uh, never think about Wi-Fi again. Get $100 off the Eero base unit and the two beacons package. Ooh. And one year of Eero Plus. All you got to do is go to Eero, E-E-R-O dot com slash CFN and at checkout enter CFN. So check that out. All you got to do is go to Eero dot com slash CFN and at checkout enter CFN. 100 bucks off. Do it. Graham, we've got some Patreon subscribers, Man, too. I love the Patreons, mm-hmm. the Patronis. I love them. At the $50 level, guys, 50 bucks a month, you get a you get a little ad read here on every single episode. Not a bad deal. It's the deal best marketing deal yeah. on the internet. Mm-hmm. And uh, Johnny Rulon's been with us for a while. His Johnny novel, Rulon! His novel, Green Cheek, Junkie's Guide to Street Magic. It's on Amazon in both digital and hard copy. It's an experimental stream of consciousness novel which follows the exploits of the muse Calliope and her mortal lover T.S. on a journey through time dreams and the hidden places of a supernatural America. Mm-hmm. The website is happyhorrorshowproductions.com, happyhorrorshowproductions.com. And our favorite charity, the Audacity Performing, Ar- Performing Arts Project. Audacity. Produces, produces after-school performing arts projects in poor, underfunded, and low-performing schools uh, that aren't on strike, like LAUSD right now. So... so. <laughs> Performing arts education is not a luxury. Please visit them at audacityperformingarts.com. That's audacityperformingarts.com. And from Chris Parker Howard, Coffee Over Suicide is a dramedy podcast about mental illness and choosing life over death, one cup of coffee at a time. Coffee. Get caught up on season one now before the season two premiere in February, wherever podcasts are found. Check out more at coffeeoversuicide.com. And Alice Frazier. Uh, co-host of the Bugle podcast and host of Tea with Alice, brings you a series of three genre-bending solo stand-up shows that explore the boundary between comedy and tragedy. Frazier! The shows were recorded back-to-back as a three-hour show at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival with a binaural microphone, which creates an immensely intensive listening experience. AliceFrazier.com. And Rebecca Evans, The Art Podcast. When we move past hesitation, we're true to ourselves, we find our own art in life. If you want to hear some fun stories and get inspired, check out The Art 
Facebook.com, The Art Podcasts, with an S. Evans. And uh, La Calavera by Alan Ross. The story of a pirate radio operator decides to go into the pirate cable TV business, together with a group of misfits and the questionable guidance of a spiritual advisor in the form of Richard Nixon, gear up to take on the world's largest media conglomerate and its egomaniacal celebrity CEO. Tricky dick. Yeah, an Amazon, an e-book, and hard copy. And last but not least, David Hynek, a a composer of contemporary classical music that people actually like. DavidHynek.com, H-E-I-N-I-C-K. Hynek. All right, done. Boom. Thank you, Patronis, guys. Appreciate it. Every month that helps us out. If you go to Patreon.com slash Comedy Filmers, you can support the show. We give you cool bonus content. And we're going to have a great... uh, um, weekly film news this month because it's uh, the beginning of the new year. Neil's going to have a lot to talk about bing, in the new bang, one. Boom. And uh, the next uh, thing we're going to talk about is trailers. Now, uh, Serenity is the uh, for the first one we're going to be oh, discussing. Ba, 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 be, yes. Let's boom, boom, boom. Let's boom. check it out. Here it comes. Serenity. 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 True. Oh, I hate the trailers Super before the trailers. And, and the ads are so annoying. Ad. An ad for an ad, then we'll get the trailer before the trailer. It's going to be 30 minutes before we get to see the trailer. But this movie I wanted, this trailer before the, the glass I want to see. Mm. I want you to drop him in the ocean for the sharks. All right, thriller on a boat. Boat thriller. They're out here. Okay, so it starts off like Castaway. Everybody knows everything. Matthew McConaughey doing a Lincoln commercial. <laughs> the truth was. Then the bad robot promo. The beginning in the field. <laughs> I got a feeling today is the day. Today is the day. Mm, I don't like the sound of that. Today is the day. Yeah. I can feel him this time. Maybe I should just fish. I can feel him. I can feel it. He needs a shave. He's crazy. He does. Good to see you, John. It took so long to find you. What do you say? Say I'm not gone, John. This anymore. feels like. One of those movies that got shot two years ago that they're finally figuring out when to release to get yeah. some of their money back. Has never seen your face. Yeah, I saw this trailer months ago. Yeah. You were right yeah. about him. He's violent with you. What's this? Just a little scratch. Jason Clark, always great. Yeah, Jason. Yeah, he's I want you to take him out on your boat and drop him in the ocean for the yeah. sharks. Yeah, I, I mean... This is one I wanted to talk about because it like it came they out again. Came like uh, th- you're right, Aaron. This this trailer came out like a while ago. Then it get sometimes trailers get re-released. Like uh, I'm not, and it's all about the release dates. That new Mutants movie is the same thing. We're gonna re-release that trailer. Well, that kind of a big day tomorrow. I know all about your big day. Feels like everybody knows something. I don't. At least they caught a fish. Dill, will you have yourself a good day now and do what's right, okay? Oh, no. I need you to deliver me from temptation. Are you going to take him out? You're not right in your mind. My wife says you're being a little difficult. There's something wrong. You're going to tell me what this is all about? Sometimes we do bad things for good reasons. Really? Mm. I don't know about that. You know, I have a feeling that uh, this was the kind of thing the trailer trailer editor finished cutting the trailer, went to the producers and went, look, this is the best I could do. Look, uh, yeah, guys. (laughs) Yeah. uh, You know, 
Let's, didn't give me a lot to work let's with. Let's just hope uh, it, uh, you know. Now hear me out, guys. What if this is a backdoor trailer to a gritty Jaws reboot? <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> yeah, that's... That yeah. would do... <laughs> see, now that is an amazing... You take this trailer, cut it down to 30 seconds, mm-hmm. right? The first 30 seconds are all this like, oh, intrigue, kill my husband. Mm-hmm. And then they're on the boat and then just fucking Meg shows up and it's like... Or you, the last shot is a, a shot of the sign, welcome to Amity. Yeah. Like and you just see a fin in the yeah. water and you're like, oh, so it's sort of a, you know, the whole like murder plot is just mm-hmm. a MacGuffin. It's the MacGuffin of Psycho. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, <laughs> like how, what are they going to do with the money from the, mm-hmm. from the crime? And then it's like, no, you're going to fight sharks. Mm-hmm. I'd rather see it if it was a shark movie. Yeah. yeah. Cause I'm I on like board all, with a shark. Movie. I like all these actors, yeah. but man, if you can't make these three actors, Two Academy Award winners, yes. and even and Jaiman Huntsu or whatever. Yeah. All these four, four yeah. really solid actors, and uh, even some really good character actors in there. Right. Well, it's like for two hours, I need to see actors do more than glare at each other and go. Wait a minute. Yeah. What's going on? Today's the day. It was all a setup. <laughs> We're all gonna walk around and yeah. say cryptic things yes. for two hours. I probably shouldn't get on this boat, but I'm going to. You never know what you find out in the ocean. Yeah, it's, just, it's gonna be those things yeah. for fucking two hours. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of, lot of, lot of nightmares at the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> yeah. So you just imagine that, and then all of a sudden, farewell and adieu to you, fair Spanish lady. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Shaw shows up. <laughs> you got shitty hands, Mister Hooper. You've been counting money your whole life. Um. If they found him on that abandoned island, that would be the greatest. Yeah. He's like 90, Robert yeah. Shaw. Mm-hmm. He's got half a leg that the mm-hmm. shark ate and he had to, he survived. I've been waiting for a boat this entire I've time. I've been waiting for a boat this whole time. How did you survive? I ate my leg. <laughs> He's just sitting there. I've just been... <laughs> I beat up a I beat up a crocodile and yes. I wore his face. Like what? He's out of his mind. Yeah. All right, Spider Man: Far From Home. This just dropped like literally yesterday. Yesterday. Mm-hmm. Lot of secrets at the bottom of that ocean yeah. out there. Mm. Watch out now. You might find a plot device yeah. floating around out there. But maybe not. But maybe not. <laughs> it was all just bad writing. Mm. It might be uh, a lot of. Um, a lot of glaring and five o'clock shadow. <laughs> I bet you in the first half, a lot of glaring and five o'clock. I bet you this movie, there's some really stupid thing that's so obvious. Like, um, you know, well, I'll just put these flares uh, in the middle of this boat that we're never going to use or something <laughs> like, gee, that'll never come up. Or just like, hey, do me a favor. Do you mind just signing this bank transfer in your <laughs> handwriting? My hand hurts. And just yeah. like one of those things like, oh, gee. Power of attorney. We just, we need quick, to take this Just scare. a quick yeah. power of attorney <laughs> thing. Like, gee, I wonder if that'll come back later <laughs> in the movie. All right, here we go. Spider-Man. Spider-Man, far from home. Spider-Man, far from home. Trailer before the trailer. Spider-Man. That was so good. Hey, sorry I'm late. Happy. You look nice. Thank you. You too. Thank you. New dress? Yes, it is. How'd you know? (laughs) What just happened? 
Cash driver is always fun to watch. Yeah. Planning a trip? Mm-hmm. Going to Europe. School trip. Bad. Very few of the Ramones are still alive to hear their song in this movie. None of them. Actually, none of them. Yeah. yeah. They're all passed away? Yeah. I just want to go on my trip. One of them is in cryo freeze, right? Yeah. <laughs> you look really pretty. Therefore, I have value. No, no, that's not I'm right. messing with you. <laughs> you look pretty too. I just want to spend some time with MJ. I think she really likes me, dude. That reminds me when I first fell in love. I had just finished my phone call. So nice to finally meet you, Spider-Man. Well, now we know uh, two characters have come back from Infinity War. You're Nick Fury. Put some clothes on. Let's go for a ride. Is he going to be okay like that? Might want to turn him over so he doesn't swallow his tongue. Nick Fury just hijacked our summer vacation. Awesome! We've got gifts, Parker, but we have a job to do. Are you going to step up or not? You're all alone. Your friends are in trouble. What are you going to do about it? You don't want any part of this. Mysterio. Nick Gyllenhaal might make a really good villain. Yeah. Ooh, I'm in. Yeah. That looks like a blast. Yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. Who is that guy? He's like Iron Man and Thor rolled into one. He's no Spider-Man. What is it with you and Spider-Man? What, he looks out for the neighborhood, has a dope suit, and I really respect him. Sup, dickwad? That's so great. Yeah. Now, I have a theory about this trailer. Uh, as someone who's been a Spider-Man fan for many years, Mysterio is a master of illusion. So I think he's actually created those uh, uh, monsters that he's actually fighting to uh, trick people into thinking he's a hero when he's really a villain. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of where the story is going to go. And I think that's mm-hmm. why Jake Gyllenhaal is great casting, if that yes. is true, because mm-hmm. Jake Gyllenhaal usually plays the good guy, wholesome right. all-American boy. Mm-hmm. So he shows up in a suit saying, you don't want, you know, let me handle this. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. he's the good guy. He's here right. to help us. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, yeah, he's a sick psychopath. Right. <laughs> but this is great. Mm-hmm. When is it? When is it due out, and when does it take place? Because that, that was a big question. It's due out after um, Infinity War, and it takes place after Infinity War. But he still uh, obviously Endgame, endgame. He still doesn't have the suit that he gets in Infinity War. So that's why I'm... Well, he had multiple suits in that trailer, so I'm sure... Yeah. I mean... But this, yeah. we know for a fact, this timeline is after Infinity War, yes. when everybody disappears, or half of the planet disappears. <laughs> Fucking I am 99% sure. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, what right. I'm saying for the trailer, the trailer is a spoiler, needs to yeah, have a spoiler. For alert. sure, yeah, it just shows that, you know, two of the people survive. I mean, you could Google that real quick, like, timeline for Spider-Man Homecoming, but I'm 99% sure it's after Endgame. I think it's also great, and just again... I mean, there's not much more they can do. They probably figure, look, we're already in production on a Spider-Man movie. People know he survives. Is it that big of a spoiler that he uh, right. he comes back? And yes. also... Because <laughs> um, I just rewatched I just rewatched Infinity War this weekend, so... Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I think, too, it's cool that they're... 
spending the majority of the movie in London. Yes. You mm-hmm. know, and in Europe, like mm-hmm. showing that, what a cool thing. Cause we don't typically see these mm-hmm. superheroes fighting in, you know, abroad. Well, what will be great. Um, like if, you know, Marvel, because they might do this. They used to do this in the comics all the time. Whenever a hero would go abroad, like if Spider-Man in the comics would go to UK, then he would meet like one of like the London superheroes, like during a fight or something. Like oh. uh, so, like one of the um, you know, the quote British superheroes would uh, you know they would hey you're Spider Man hey you're Captain Britain or whatever you're Captain be. Britain yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're so, Captain Britain yeah. <laughs> or the Black Knight or whoever ah. uh, you know whoever the the heroes are Uncle and, uh, Crumpet yeah yeah <laughs> Big Ben Big Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody send us some artwork yeah. for these characters. <laughs> Uncle Crumpet, Big Ben. Yeah, the other ones actually exist. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it does take place after Infinity, well, Endgame. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. But they could release this trailer the week before and just be like, next week. And we'd be like, cool. Oh, yeah. Without, without there's spoiling. No, that's the one thing we were talking about, too. Does um, Disney and Marvel, do they really need to release any trailers at all it, it's uh and you know at some point the marketing it doesn't matter just um you could release a trailer with the release date and that's all you would need yeah mm-hmm. i think they just have to keep all these marketing people employed yes that's, they're just <laughs> yeah like, they're, they're counting on these paychecks mm-hmm. so it's like well we got to do this thing even though there's no reason right i would love it if um somebody actually said look you know i'm gonna bet my job on this we're gonna save 50 million dollars in marketing the next um avengers movie and we're going to cut that marketing budget in half and only release a limited amount of trailers and limited amount of press and let's see if we still make a lot of money and disney would say we're not going to take the chance you're fired so yeah yeah (laughs) but really i think it would be fine i really do it would be Mm -hmm. but i also think there's probably other stuff at play here where they literally are like well we need to we we just got to justify this budget so we Mm -hmm. have to spend this marketing yes They they could literally at the end of endgame be like Spider-Man will return next week. And, and yeah, yeah. Return. Oh, oh, and yeah. buy right, the tickets well, right here. there yeah. on the spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's um, all they need is a, t- a, a, a title card. Yeah. I mean... I mean, it looks like, again, a fun movie. It's, uh, you know, we talked about this with, um, with Aquaman, where, um, you know, because the expectations were so low with Aquaman, we're like, oh, yes, it's like the second best DC movie. If... Marvel had made Aquaman, the re- re- reaction would have been, this is the worst Marvel movie we've ever seen. Yeah, what the fuck happened to <laughs> Yeah, Marvel? what happened they to, yeah. just lost so, their they shit. Really, yeah, they really lost their focus so, on this movie. W- w- Aaron, when does Endgame come out? Uh, that I don't know, but the Spider-Man comes out in July. Okay. So probably May. Yeah, Endgame is like May. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man is July. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited for both those movies. Yeah. I haven't seen one ounce of footage for Endgame, and I don't care. No, it doesn't I don't matter. need to. Uh, the I ending have, of yeah, Infinity War. I've seen I've seen the teaser for it, um, yeah. and it's good. But it doesn't. It deliberately again. It's a great teaser. Doesn't show you anything. You know, it just shows you a couple character moments, and that's it. And that of all the trailers of all the films is the one like I don't want to know in the trailer who survived and who didn't. I want to find out when I'm sitting in the theater. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to do. Yeah. And you give me this little thing that I know Nick Fury and Spider Man are back. Okay, fine. That there's right. such a small... And you know Captain Marvel's coming. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be... Um, it's three Marvel movies again this year because you've got Captain Marvel, Infinity War, Endgame, mm-hmm. and you've got Spider-Man. So remember we would get one superhero movie a year and now we're getting three Marvel ones Three Marvel year. ones yeah. a summer. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And then there's the little Sony offshoots that right. happened and mm-hmm. all these other things. You know, and there's the Fox, although not, you can't really call them Fox X-Men movies much longer. Foxmans. Yeah, because uh, with Disney buying Fox, they're going to start, you know, getting all the control of those, mm-hmm. the mutant characters back. Mm-hmm. Now, it'll be interesting to see if they incorporate any of those characters into the Marvel Universe, or if they're like, you know what, this is already kind of set up separate, we'll, uh, we're going to leave it the way it is. It's interesting to see. I mean, yeah. Uh, but again, I'm excited for it. I mean, there there, uh, there hasn't yet been a Marvel trailer that's come out going, yeah, I don't think I'm going to go see that. There's I mean, not every one. Single one. There's not yeah. one where mm-hmm. you went, hmm. Yeah. My least favorite Marvel movies are still a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's mm-hmm. just like that first Ant-Man movie was a little too Spy Kids for me, but mm-hmm. I still had a blast in it. Right. Mm-hmm. It was still Amen Two is the same way. Like I liked it. My family really liked them, but they were they definitely skewed younger. Yeah. But it's interesting to see like how that you know that character is still going to incorporate into the darker and grittier other Marvel movies. Like uh, you know with Infinity War coming up, I mean that was a great Taylor tag, a uh, uh, trailer tag at the end where you know he's outside. Hey, can you guys uh, buzz me in? Like, well, how did he get out of the quantum realm? <laughs> you know all those. So let's see. Uh, you know what happens there. So, all right, on DVD and Blu-ray, Halloween, this is the remake. Uh, didn't get a chance to see it, but got very well received, actually, mm-hmm. with Jamie Lee Curtis. And um, Goosebumps 2, I don't know anyone who went to see that movie. Goosebumpier. I, yeah, even my kids were like, eh, I don't know. It's, uh, I mean, my kids were more excited to see House with a Clock in Its Walls, which was much darker and uh, um, more, more of like a kid's horror movie, where Goosebumps... Unless the kids are really young, like even when they hit like eight or ten, it's like, well, nothing really happens, nothing really scary. There's no real, um, there's no real danger. Like you know, sometimes they have the twist, but ultimately, like you know, when you're going to see like a big budget PG horror movie, is it going to be that terrifying? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the answer is yes, if Eli Roth is directing it, and that's what House with a Clock in Its Walls was, where there were scenes where it got so creepy and dark. I'm like, well, how is this a PG movie? Like it was, it was, it ha- it was. Uh, if there's such a thing as hard PG, that's what it was. But it was really a PG-13, whereas the Goosebumps are firmly in the G PG range. Right. So. The next movie is The Old Man and the Gun. This is Robert Redford's movie. And now I saw this on the mm-hmm. plane coming yeah. back from Florida. It's a it's a great fun swan song movie for an uh, you know a famous aging actor. Yeah, and Sissy mm-hmm. Spacek's great in it. Yes, mm-hmm. and um, even though he seems to be a, f- a full on creep, Casey Affleck plays an all right <laughs> cop in this. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things, it's based on an actual guy. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a story, I think, in The New Yorker about this. The Gentleman gen- Robber. The Gentleman mm-hmm. Robber. And, you know, all the supporting characters, um, all the bank teller people and all that right. kind of stuff. And it's really, it's really intriguing. And, you know, it was just. It was a, just fun. It was just a fun, yeah. cool, like. It was old school Hollywood with an old school actor yeah. and it had that feel and it re- literally leaned into it. Like, you know, this is the kind of movie we're making. It's going to be fun. It's going to um, give you like a good feeling when you're watching it. And it's just going to be one of those um, movies that it's not going to um, it, it's not going to break any new ground. It's not going to upset anyone. It's one of those movies that you go in, you enjoy it. It's a old school Hollywood popcorn movie with some very comfortable faces you've literally grown up with watching in the, the movie it theater. It kind of made me feel like um, 
a movie I've mentioned before, The Gray Fox. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which mm-hmm. is uh, Richard Farnsworth, who plays kind of a similar guy. He was a um, a stagecoach robber who was in jail for like 20 or 30 years. When he gets mm-hmm. out, the Industrial Revolution has already happened, and now he's holding up trains. Right. And he's it's kind of a love story. He meets this woman, but he, he can't stop doing what he's doing. So, you know, he becomes a robber, and, and it is sort of like this gentlemanly criminal... Um, yeah, this was a this was a great it was a great plane movie. It was a nice, entertaining ninety minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't overstay its welcome. No, not too long. No, didn't do anything where you went. Why is that? In it was there? a great choice as far as like yeah. you're like, oh, this is going to be my last movie. This is how I want to go out. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and I mean, Sissy Spacek, man, she has had such an amazing career. She's such a fine actress, and it was so yeah. great to watch her in mm-hmm. this. As and this, seeing them together was oh, so fun too. It was so cool. The mm-hmm. scenes they had together. Um, and you know, they reference actual dates and times of when shit went down mm-hmm. and, and, uh, it was really, yeah, check it out. It's a fun movie. It is a fun mm-hmm. little movie. Like it's a mm-hmm. perfect VOD streaming yes. DVD, Blu-ray, mm-hmm. whatever thing to watch. It's a great, like, you just want to stay home and watch a cool little movie, mm-hmm. you know, It'll cleanse your palate if you've watched either of the two movies that uh, we mentioned before. <laughs> Dynasty, or you were never here. Yeah, yeah. Dynasty. Dynasty. <laughs> I, I can't remember the title yeah. of this movie. I was in the theater. I couldn't remember. Well, you're getting the first letter right. Yeah, destroyer. Always, there's always a mm-hmm. and there's a Y and an S. I know mm-hmm. in there. Destroyer. It doesn't mm-hmm. make sense because it's just like <laughs> destroyer. <laughs> it doesn't make sense that it's like. A beautiful A-list actress in a wig. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. make sense. I mean, maybe it's destroy her. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know her the, characters mm, that yeah. she destroys a lot of mm-hmm. crap, but that doesn't come um, up. And uh, in the site spotlight, uh, the Dana Gould coupon Dana is still good for all Dana Gould merch, twenty percent off. And uh, that will go through March, and then we're closing out the Dana Gould uh, category. So mm-hmm. get your stuff now, and these will not be reprinted or even. Um, um, be restocked. So you want to get the Opera Man t-shirts or the Dana Gould Hour uh, logo shirts. And we even have LPs and, and posters, but it's all, uh, we're closing it out at the end of March. It's all limited edition merchandise, yeah, it's all limited guys, edition. for your favorite comedians. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're just paring down the store, which is yes. cool. And uh, you can, it's a great way to support the show. We say, you know, spend $20 a year with us at the very, at the minimum. And mm-hmm. if everyone did that, we'd have really cool stuff so if you can get this cool unique merchandise from very funny talented comics that that you know it's never going to be made again and we're still going to give you a free shirt with either every shirt that you buy uh as long as supplies last and supplies are still uh uh, pretty good. So yeah. chances are you will still get a free shirt if you buy one. Um, that would probably, I, I'd say the free shirts will probably go over the next couple months too. Yeah. And then uh, probably the end of March, everything will kind of uh, be gone. Uh, Crab Feast merch, that is also being closed out because they've stopped their show. So if there's a couple of hats left and a couple of all Jucos, I think some smalls and maybe a medium, I'm not sure. But uh, as of Friday, those will be gone as well. We're mm-hmm. um, uh, we're gonna send those back to those guys and uh, close out the books on Crab Feast. It was a great well, run with those guys. Run with yeah, those guys. It was mm-hmm. really cool. We love working with them, and mm-hmm. you know their fans are great. And, and they've already started new podcasts too. Yeah. So we've sold a lot of stuff from them. them it's been great to, to work with them and have people support them. And lastly, our uh, Allison Rosen merch. We did another coupon for her. Snuggle if you want any of her t-shirts. Twenty mm-hmm. percent uh, off all Allison Rosen uh, t-shirts. Snuggle, S-N-U-G-G-L-A, 20% off. All right, Graham, you know what's premiering this week? You already know, Glass. 
I'm t- I haven't seen Split yet, and you everyone, have to see Split before you. Yeah, see we got to see. It. And people say Split's very good, so yes. I'm going to try to watch Split online mm-hmm. before I see Glass because I love Unbreakable. I think you have to, yeah. And I'm I, I was, didn't love it, but I was like, well, it wasn't horrible. Yeah, I thought Unbreakable was great, and mm-hmm. I it, it, a lot of people loved it. It yeah. kept me being a M Night Shyamalan apologist for a long time. Yes, <laughs> and so I want. If, if, if Split is as good as everybody says, then mm-hmm. this the trailer for this made me go, yes. Right. Let's do it. It's like, it looks like it'd be a great end to a trilogy that you didn't know was a trilogy. <laughs> I mean, this is the Unbreakable Universe or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. let's do it, man. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah. I, I, All right, so we'll see how it is. I mean, I'm, I'm really curious to see how it is. So you're definitely going to see it this week. I'm going to see it. I'm okay. going to see uh, Split before I go to the theater, and yeah. then I'm going to see Glass in the theater. All right, we'll hear both reviews. Uh, oh, yeah. Maybe we'll talk know. about Unbreakable, too. We'll talk well, about all three next week. Well, now mm-hmm. let's do it. <laughs> um, so go see Glass, everybody. All right. Um, Graham, I think that's our show. That is our show. Mm-hmm. Um, Aaron <laughs> Brunghart. Thank you yes, so sir. much for joining us this afternoon. Yeah. Uh, is there anything you'd like to talk about or promote at the end of this program today? Hey, I could always use Twitter followers at Hilarinous. Oh. Mm, all right. H-I-L- so follow Aaron. A-A-R-O-N-O-U-S. And how's everything going here at the All Things Comedy World Headquarters? We're doing great. We got a uh, new Something's Burning just hit yesterday with Theo oh, Vaughn great. and Andrew Santino. It's really funny. And uh, we just did a special with Jessica Curson out in oh. New York City. Oh, great. Right yeah. on. So look for that on Comedy Central at some point in the in the in the year to come. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago I did the ATC show at the Comedy Store, which was great. Um, that's always real. I've been on a couple of those shows; they're fun. Mm-hmm. The yeah, we're stores. putting on like uh, every, anywhere between three and seven shows a month. Now. Oh, really? That's great. Yeah. So where? Just uh, Comedy Store, Dynasty Typewriter, and I think the Ice House or Laugh Factory. We're, we're hitting all the clubs. Great. Oh, that's great. Yeah. In LA. Nice. <laughs> that's cool, man. I'm glad you guys are doing more live shows because I had fun. It was it was cool being mm-hmm. on it and, and I got to see some comics I hadn't seen in a while. And <clears throat> so it's good business. Um All right. Episode four fifty, guys, go to patreon.com slash comedy filmer is a great way to support the show. Um, you know, Download the podcast, share it on your social media. A lot of yep. free ways to support the show. Hang out at the message boards. They are still up. Mm-hmm. More people are coming back to them. It's been, it's a, you know, it, it takes a long time to get them up and running again. But uh, we appreciate you guys uh, showing up. and that's Likes, like, retweets, yep. all that stuff. They're great free ways to support Yeah, the there's, there's plenty of free ways to support. Let other people know about our podcast and uh, share, like, you know, reviews on iTunes and... Uh, also, uh, I want to mention this, too. This is another free way to do it. Even, like, with earbuds, let's say you already have it, you already watched it, go on Amazon and put a review up or yeah, uh, yeah. or somewhere there or iTunes. Put a review up. Let people know that you really enjoyed it and uh, because all that stuff gets tracked and put into their algorithms and it helps the movie actually show up in more places. All those those are great free ways to support the show. The, the likes, the positive reviews, comments, retweets, all that stuff, just, uh, hey, you guys, you know, post it on your social media. Even if you only, you're like, well, you know, I only have 100 followers. It still... It still helps. It still all helps. helps. And mm-hmm. so all those little cool, great free ways mm-hmm. to support the show. And then also I will be... You know, uh, a thousand of you with 100 followers adds up. 
That's a mm-hmm. lot of people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people to hear about this show and, mm-hmm. and all the cool stuff we're doing. A lot of people to hear about earbuds. Yes. Um, I was just on the road and I brought DVDs with me and I sold out of them in right. Florida because people mm-hmm. were like, oh, that's cool. Um, so they, they need to see that movie. And it's a lot of fun. Speaking of tour dates, I will be headlining uh, the three zanies back-to-back in Chicago, St. Charles, downtown Chicago, and uh, Rosemont. That is February 21st through March 2nd. Um, and of course, the Progressive Comedy Tour in March. Ron Placone and I are going to uh, Lafayette, Louisiana, Oxford, Mississippi, New Orleans, and Pensacola. And then in April, we're going to Texas. So those are all available at GrahamElwood.com. Check it out. And uh, the new season two of Conversations from the Abyss, my Twilight Zone scriptedy Black Mirror podcast, <laughs> debuts today, the nice. 15th, uh, called Multiples, uh, starring Cecil Baldwin from Welcome to Night Vale, uh, meets another version of himself. And they have a 16 minute conversation about uh, their lives. So check it out. Subscribe to Conversations from the Abyss. Um, it's free and it's on iTunes, just like Comedy Film Nerds. Same thing, too. Mm-hmm. Conversation from the Abyss, like, subscribe, positive mm-hmm. reviews, all that stuff help. Push it out. This episode's really cool. Tag the performers in it like Cecil and, yep. and they'll retweet mm-hmm. it and all that stuff. All that stuff helps. All those analytics mm-hmm. help. So um, thank you for listening. Thank you, Aaron Brungout and everyone here at the All Things Comedy World Headquarters. My name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han, Han shot, shot first. first.